Hello, everybody. Welcome back to All Geeked Out, your number one podcast destination for everything that you geek out about. I am your host, Anthony, and I just I just want to say it's good to be back. Um, took a little little hiatus, um, I guess you could call it. Uh, you know, with all with uh, Super Bowl weekend last week, and um, you know, it was just uh, just had took a little break, kind of regroup, and I'm back and ready to finally finish um, my Lord of the Rings, my my own little trilogy of episodes. Um, so, and and in speaking speaking of the Super Bowl, um, you know. It was a good game. Uh, I, I really didn't have a, a horse in the race, so to speak. So, uh, but one thing uh, that really uh, stood out for me was we finally got a a real trailer uh, for the the upcoming Amazon series, The Rings of Power. Uh, and I gotta say, I I was happy. Uh, I, I liked it. I think it looks looks like it's going to be... It's just like, you know, you don't get a, a lot. I mean, I think it was like a minute long or just over a minute long. Um, but it's... You kind of get a sense of the overall feel um, and, like, the look, you know. And that's, in my opinion, that was what made Peter Jackson's movies, The Lord of the Ring, and to some extent, The Hobbit. Uh, not I just... But The Lord of the Rings... Um, the details, you know, the attention to details was just unprecedented, um, I, I feel. And, you know, and one thing I would say, if, if, if you have uh, or, you, you know, you have access to the extended editions of uh, The Lord of the Rings, uh, there's some really, the bonus content and like some of the behind the scenes stuff, if you, it, it's really worth a watch. Um, they, just seeing the work that went into the, you know, the set designs and the, you know, the locations that they shot at and the, the costume uh, design and, you know, just how they made, they, like all these costumes were made by hand. Like I, I just recall one, uh, one bit of it where they showed the guys that were making uh, the chainmail, and they literally by hand each and every link of chainmail that you see in those movies uh, were just done one at a time by hand with guys with little with little fucking sets of pliers. Um, I mean, just enough. I could go on and on. We, I got a lot to cover, uh, so I, I don't want to get off topic, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, it looks really good. Um, definitely it, it seems like Galadriel, uh, a younger Galadriel is going to play a major role in this, uh, in this, uh, series, um, that comes out September 2nd. Um, Elrond, we see a young Elrond in there. Uh, I haven't even had time to really, you know, dissect, uh, you know, I know a lot of people already beat me to the punch out there, um, dissecting this trailer. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, the buzz is on. Um, and this is, you know, this is kind of, uh, you know, it's just going to be a wait, you know, it's like, get, <laughs> I want to get through the summer just so I can get to this, to this series, uh, to be honest with you in some, you know, some parts of me. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I'm just, I'm really excited. Looking forward to it. There, and there is, uh, you know, apparently, you know, one of the questions was, uh, is there going to be any kind of reference or uh, backstory on the hobbits? And we see like right off the bat, the first like 20 seconds of the, of the trailer, uh, we, there's a hobbit. Uh, um, so there's definitely, uh, we're going to, they're going to get into that. Um, so yeah, just, just really excited. And obviously this is, this story is going to be about the forging of the rings. Um, and, uh, I keep wanting the guy who made the rings and I, and I know his name, I, I keep wanting to say Celeborn, but it's not Celeborn. Um, it's, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna embarrass myself, uh, trying to think of the name. But you know the guy who forged the rings and now Sauron kind of betrayed him and tricked him into making. I, I'm pretty sure it gets into some of that. Uh, but just really excited. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you can check it out um, on YouTube. It's the Rings of Power, uh, and it, it's it looks really good. Like the the set the set design and and the backdrops of everything from the trailer. Uh, very reminiscent of, of Peter Jackson and Weta Workshop and what they did. Um, but without, without delaying anymore, um, first thing I want to do, you know, my, my normal uh, intro usually leads into some housekeeping, uh, some mistakes I made. And, and, you know, when you get into Lord of the Rings, um, you know, I kind of been, I've been perusing the books uh, a little in the middle, you know, in this little hiatus I took, this little... Uh, you know this little gap in episodes um and i i, <laughs> I, I there's so many things i missed you know like because i'm trying to like trying to just bring up as many of the differences between the books and the movies i mean everybody's gone over these movies uh countless times the books countless times like i'm not i'm not sharing anything new with y'all um but you know, I'm just trying to pick out, you know, first of all, give you my interpretations of some things and how I feel about them. And, you know, just trying to throw some little bits in between of, you know, some of the differences in the books and movies. And there are so many. I mean, just with the just the timeline, the way the book is laid out compared to the movies, like the book is done, like, you know, in a, it's, it's basically dissected into six books um, and each now each volume contains two books and each book kind of follows one set of the of you know the fractured fellowship what was left of the fellowship either you're either following sam and frodo and eventually Gollum, or you're following you know aragon gandalf and that group um so you know obviously for for a more a better flow um you know of the movie peter jackson elected to kind of just follow everything in a, in a linear fashion uh, as far as the timeline so um just just that alone gives this makes so many differences between books and movies so i got a few here that I, you know kind of stood out uh the first one you know when talking about uh the ent moot and the ents and how how like uh mary and pippin's involvement in that and and in their involvement in getting the ents to go to war um their influence um and that was very in in the movies uh, it was very profound. Like they, they literally kind of almost set up Treebeard uh, to get him, you know, to con kind of convince him to go to war by like leading him into uh, towards Isengard because they know he'd see like the the destruction that that Sauron and his, you know, in his um, minions, uh, the destruction they caused to the forest. Um, in the books, it was actually. 
you know, they, the Ents knew what was going on. Like, they, in the movies, it seemed like they were kind of just, like, unaware and, and like, you know, just kind of ignorant to the real damage that was going on. But in the movies, they know, you know, they're Ents. They, they know what's happening to the Earth. That's their whole purpose, is they're the guardians of nature. And um, in the in the books, they decide to go to war at the Ent moot. You know, there, there was no, uh, there was no, I mean, it did take them a long time, you know, because everything in Entish takes a long time to say, but they didn't, uh, they didn't need Merry and Pippin to kind of nudge them in that direction. So that's something I didn't bring up, but I, you know, I had forgotten there's so much into these books and I had, I've seen the movies a lot more than times than I've read the books. So it's, you know, kind of, you know, it, it makes sense that, you know, I usually go by what the movies say more than what the books do. But that was one thing that stood out to me as like a pretty big difference. Um, another one was with, uh, um, the, on the journey to Helm's Deep from Edoras, uh, and with Aragorn and, you know, that, and Theoden and those, and those guys, uh, they have that, you know, that little skirmish, uh, that encounter with the, the orcs and, and wargs. Uh, and I, and I knew this and I just, I don't, I, I just, when I listened back to the episode, I never did mention it, but, uh, yeah, they never met that encounter never happens in the books. And it's a pretty big, uh, you know, addition by Peter Jackson. I mean, it, that was a pretty significant, um, battle and, you know, uh, and especially, and I don't know, maybe he, I don't know if he did it just to throw that friggin', uh, scene where Aragorn gets thrown off the cliff, uh, and if he did, then, you know, it was kind of, uh, ill-advised, I would say, I mean, I, I, just, I don't know, I just still never got that, that whole thing of why he bothered doing that, because nobody, you know, nobody believes that Aragorn fell off the cliff and died, so, but that was, that never happened in the book, um, and another thing I noticed is I kept talking about, uh, the Grey Havens as where the elves, you know, and, you know, and some select few, like elves, wizards, and some mortals, uh, obviously Bilbo and Frodo end up there, but, uh, I kept referring to the Grey Havens as, like, the place where, um, you know, basically, it's almost like, kind of like a heaven, uh, the Undying Lands is what really it was called, the Grey Havens was the port that they leave from to go to the Undying Lands, so that was another little, kind of just misleading, uh, you know, kind of naming, named it wrong, uh, I just kind of, I only missed it by, you know, from one port to another, I guess, but, you know, still, there's something I wanted to bring up, uh, and I know there was a few more, um, I just, I know I got so much stuff to cover here that I don't really want to spend too much time on it, um, but hey, if you found something that I said that was wrong, leave me a comment, go, go on, uh, my Facebook page at, uh, All Geeked Out Podcast, and leave, leave me, leave me, let me know, let me know what I screw up. Uh, you know, I'd love to hear from anybody, even if it's to, to trash me, uh, you know, tell me I'm full of shit or I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but you know, part of my thing here in, in doing this podcast, and it's like I, I've said before, um, you know, I feel like anybody can come on here and just research the shit out of uh, a topic and sit here and just spurt out and regurgitate everything that they read, um, you know, on the internet or where, what have you. Uh, I do this, everything off my top of my head. Um, I kind of like to think of myself as a bit of a, you know, a movie, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I hate to use the word expert and I'm definitely not 
an expert. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still learning, and I, I, I love movies, and I, I love them enough to watch them multiple times to to look into some of the background of the movies, and you know, I, it's just something I love to do, and I wanted to share that, you know, with everybody, and I, and it, that. You know, if you mentioned, uh, um, you know, some of the, the episodes I've done with uh, my good friend Emilio, uh, you know, he mentions that, you know, we sit there at a table and he tells me I should use a computer or a, a tablet to kind of research as I go. Hey, that's not why I do this. Um, I just, I like to kind of just have conversations about this stuff and I like to pull stuff out of my own database, which is my brain and my memory. Um so that's why I do things the way I do, and that's why I'll make mistakes, and I'll continue to make mistakes, but I'll try to own up to them as much as I can. All right, so getting into Lord of the Rings. Uh, before we get into the story, um, I thought I, I wanted to share, uh, this is a pretty cool story about how I first, uh, you know, in, how I first viewed Lord of the Rings, uh, the movie, uh, Return of the King, rather, the movie. Um so, you know, I already shared with you that I definitely came uh, pretty late, you know, opened my eyes to Middle Earth way late in life, or way, well, well later than I should have, um, given my, my love of this, this kind of genre, um, and just all the material, and, and this being the source material for everything that I loved growing up as a kid, and so when I finally did, uh, you know, see, first see fellowship of the ring on dvd um it was probably i don't know a couple months before the movie came uh the two towers was released uh as soon as i did that i went out i bought all the books um i pretty much tore through those books within a couple months um all three lord of the rings and the hobbit um so i had a lot of catching up to do so i probably finished um reading return of the king um because i had read i read the two towers uh, then I saw the Two Towers, the movie, like right after I finished reading Two Towers, like some, sometime in like November, December, and I hold, I held off on Return of the King, so I didn't, wasn't given in case I didn't want to give away anything uh, for Two Towers. As soon as I watched Two Towers, finished Return of the King, then read The Hobbit, and now this is like January, maybe end of January, and now I got you know ten, eleven long months to wait for Return of the King to come out. So the movie, so to be released. So I'm just kind of looking around and I'm, I'm researching everything I can and um, never did go read Silmarillion or, you know, the uh, whatever it is, the unfinished uh, tales of Middle Earth. Uh, and, and I don't really know why. I mean, I, from what I read about them, it wasn't really done in like a, a, a novel like a way like written like a novel it was more like bits and pieces kind of like almost like the appendices at the end of return of the king from what i heard um and it didn't really a lot of it had to do with just backstory and stuff um so it was kind of like i don't know I, I was just i wanted more lord of the rings type stuff and i didn't want to get into that stuff um that kind of like just almost felt like reading like research and history and stuff so I held off from that, but, you know, went online, saw everything I could see online, um, and I actually stumbled across um, something, it was, a, I don't know if it was a news story, or there was a page, and it happened to be, there was a movie theater near me, uh, the Showcase Cinemas, that were a local theater, they're probably one of the bigger ones at the time uh, in the area, 
and um, they they were selling tickets to a Lord of the Rings movie marathon, um, where they were going to show the extended editions of Fellowship of the Ring and the Two Towers back to back. Immediately followed by the first screening in the area of Return of the King, and this was this was going to be on a Thursday. Um, that they so the this was happening on a Thursday. The Return of the King was going to be released on the Friday at midnight, and they were going to start showing Return of the King at 11 p.m. Uh, right around there uh, on Thursday night, right after these two extended editions. So. And this was for $25 a ticket, which, you know, now it's like one ticket for one movie almost costs $25 these days. Um, all right. So here's, so let's, let's review that. I had the only, the first time and possibly the only time, uh, if I'm, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if they've ever shown those extended editions in the theater other than this time, uh, not in this area anyway. So I get to watch extended edition of Fellowship of the Ring followed by extended edition of the two towers and I'm I live on the east coast you know we're, we're in up in the Boston area um so being on the east coast at 11 o'clock we were definitely the first ones in the country uh, other than you know film critics and and whatever if there was ever any uh you know special screenings I don't know if there was I don't think so um but you know the first of the public to be able to see return of the king so I got that uh you know Dis di distinction uh, on my resume um in addition you know i think they had like gap times of like maybe an hour in between each movie uh you know so you could get something to eat and at the time uh movie theaters didn't have like this extensive menu at the snack bar like they do now like nowadays you can, every theater has like burgers and hot dogs and and all kinds of food uh back then it was pretty much you know your basics candy popcorn soda uh nachos uh and they actually brought in like they they had like a kitchen just for this event uh which was pretty cool also there was uh, the website i was on and I, it was some kind of like tailgate or pre like there was a website where for for this event uh with a little community on there and, and a message board and they were planning all kinds of events they had like a costume concert because everybody came dressed up um not me not everybody but there was you know obviously you were a huge fan of these books in the, the previous two movies to go to an event like this. Um, so you had a lot of, you know, and back then, I don't even think there was the cosplay was like a, a, a term back then. I mean, I, I don't remember ever hearing about it until um, afterwards, but it was definitely cosplay at Gandalfs and, and knights and Galadriels everywhere. Um, it, it was just so cool. And so, like I said, it happened on a Thursday. Um, I told my wife about it. She, we, we, she wanted to go. Um, I had to take a day out of work. Uh, I was working in construction and, you know, I was in the union. They don't give vacation days. So I really couldn't like tell them I was taking it off. And I didn't really, you know, I'm working in construction. Uh, you know, you know, I'm in my, like, I don't know, who was I like 20, late twenties, early third. This was what, like. 2003 yeah i was a you know young guy and i, I wasn't uh as out I, I just didn't want to tell my boss hey i'm going to go see a bunch of movies i'm not going to be in the work so i just called in sick i felt it would just be easier than explaining that shit um especially for the guys i worked for at the time they were kind of jerky so um i i uh yeah i called in sick that day 
and I'm at, it was cold, it was in December, and I'm at outside the theater, they had a line, people lining up, and, you know, the line was just, a, you know, it looked like, uh, just like, <laughs> it, was, it was like a circus, you know, there was like people dressed up, like I said, it was great, and actually, I'm waiting in line, and there's a movie crew there filming and interviewing people, and I'm trying to hide, because like, Jesus Christ, my, uh, my boss sees me, and I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm screwed, you know, they're going to, I mean, I, I don't know what they would have done, but you know, I just didn't want to get caught in a lie. Basically. Um, I was by myself cause my wife, she didn't want to take the day off from work for whatever reason or she, so she had to go in and, and she got out early and she met me, um, after she missed the fellowship. She didn't even stay. She didn't, so I sat in the theater by myself. Um, although with everybody, it was like a really like a very, um, friendly group, you know what I mean? Like everybody there was so excited and happy and it was just a really good atmosphere. Um, and yeah, we, we, I, I, we, I watched the first movie, uh, in between movies, they had like costume contests where people would like walk down the aisle and everybody would cheer or, you know, uh, it was just, it was just such a good time. Um, yeah, like I said, I got to see the, you know, the extended editions in the theaters when, which I don't think you'll, you probably will definitely never get that chance again, but in, unless they like some, they do some kind of like, I don't know, like 25 or 50 year anniversary thing or something like that. But, um, so I got to see both of those and then to see the return of the King before anybody, uh, it was just a really special experience and, uh, I'll never forget it. Uh, I'd like to do something like that again for, but I don't know if I'll ever be as excited for a movie or a trilogy or a series of movies as, as I was for this. So who knows, but you know, I'm glad I did it. And you know, my, I finally, my wife finally showed up, uh, before the two towers. So at least she get to see that one and to see return of the King. Um, and the fact that return of the King was everything we expected or hoped for and more, um, you know, obviously, swept the Oscars with, you know, just like every award you can imagine. Um, it, it was just, it was just fantastic. I mean, it, it just, it just like solidified my love for these movies and for these books. Um, so yeah, so that, that was my experience. Um, seeing Lord of the Rings, it was, it was awesome. I wonder if anybody listening, uh, was actually there, um, you know, let me know. That'd be a, a pretty, be pretty cool to talk to somebody else about it i've never met anybody that was there um you know obviously it was only in one they had one theater full of people so that's a very select uh you know pretty pretty small group um but yeah so getting on um i you know don't have much time left so let's just get into the let's get into the uh the story you know like i've been doing just kind of kind of rehashing it doing a quick uh you know, just kind of walk through of the plot and, uh, you know, kind of throwing out some, some, uh, differences between the books and the movies. Um, and so if you recall at the end of the two towers, I kind of glazed over the Frodo and Sam, uh, portion of it. Um, and part of that was one of the main, the biggest, uh, events of their side of the story in book, what, what you can refer to as book four, um, the second half of two towers is, Shelob, you know, their encounter with Shelob, and when Gollum brings them into, lures them into Shelob's cave, um, so that she can kill them, and then he can go and loot Frodo's corpse later and, and steal the ring, um, so that happens in the two towers in the book, 
you know, and obviously in the movie it happens in Return of the King. So really their story was kind of, without that event in there, their story really wasn't much other than the fact that they, it's more of like them, you know, encountering Gollum and the, that whole dynamic of Sam Frodo and Gollum and Gollum always trying to drive a wedge between Frodo and Sam because Sam's so protective. Um, and Frodo's kind of just like, I don't know, kind of just he's he's not seeing things clearly and he, he doesn't realize you know like he doesn't see through Gollum's little scheme here and how he's supposed to he he wants to believe like i mentioned before he wants to believe that Gollum can uh be redeemed and find somewhat something of himself later on and it, and it seems like for a, pa- a a little while there it seems like Gollum actually is uh, you know, kind of finding his old uh, Smeagol uh, persona again. Um, so picking up where where they, we left off there, um, you know, heading into the uh, kind of the prolo- prologue of, of Return of the King, the movie, um, Peter Jackson takes us back to, uh, we see Smeagol and Deagle, and they're basically like two hobbits. Um, this is like, like, five six hundred years ago and um deagle and smeagol are fishing deagle hooks the big one uh and the big one actually is bigger than deagle and he pulls him into the water uh so we see uh like deagle kind of floating in the water spots the ring like kind of shimmering at the bottom of the river grabs it comes up to the shore and smeagol catches a look of it look at it and it's you know immediately it kind of draws and i and i'm wondering here if the ring made a decision like which one is more corruptible which one can i you know control easier you know what i mean because this ring is almost like a sentient uh object it, it has a mind of its own and it's always working for sauron and it always wants to be brought back there so i'm wondering if the ring chose who it was going to allow to to carry it uh, and, and to hold it and it, and it chose smeagol because we see right away what Smeagol's willing to do for it, and he kills his good friend Deagle to get the ring off him. Um, and it's a really, really just a visceral scene. This whole thing, uh, the way he, he, you know, he just strangles him, uh, takes the ring, and then we see kind of the just the 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 dis, basically like the disintegration of his soul. You know what I mean? Like he just he trans his transformation into Gollum it's really it's it's sad and it's it's kind of gut-wrenching you know what i mean like what it does to him and it's like you know I, I i would imagine that people who have loved ones and people close to them uh in their lives and their family that have uh fallen under you know like the spell of of drug abuse and like especially like you know like the the hardcore like like crack cocaine or you know meth meth um heroin like it's kind of it's very reminiscent of the of, of a, that type of story where somebody just gets wrapped up and caught in the spell under the spell of these drugs and that's v- what this ring seems like and it it, it destroys them mentally uh spiritually fi- uh physically um and the physical transformation is the one that you know really uh stands out in this scene where he just becomes this creature um you know, and he doesn't care. That's the thing, and that's the same way with a lot of drug addicts. They just, they don't care. All they care about is getting that next fix. And all Smeagol, all well, Smeagol slash Gollum cares about is keeping that ring for himself and and just having it. 
um, his precious, you know. So it's really, really good scene, uh, and it also gives Andy Circus a like a chance to kind of, you know, come out from under the the Gollum mask and and be himself and show that he, you know, the guy is a really, really is a great physical type actor. Um, so it, you know, so we go from there, and then now we re- rejoin the the current story, um, and I, I believe like it opens up on you know. Sam and Frodo sleeping in like what looks like a sewer pipe or something. Um, so, you know, once again, it's more of Sam, Frodo, Gollum kind of traveling on their way to get to uh, uh, Gondor, uh, Mordor. And, you know, along the way, and I'm not going to get too much into the Faramir story. A lot of people are kind of fascinated with Faramir, Faramir. A lot of people are were upset that the Faramir in the movie... Uh, is way less like a, of a developed character than in the book. In the book, you spend a lot of more time with Faramir, um, and you kind of see his qualities. Like he, he's a he's a he's a heroic figure, and he's a kind of a tragic figure. Um, you know, he he does everything for the love of his father, which he cannot get no matter what. Like Denethor is always like trashing Faramir and and bringing up like like, uh, praising Boromir, and, like, he, you know, to the point where he's, like, tells him, like, straight out, you know, like, I I would rather you had died and Boromir lived, like, like well, basically, Faramir says that, and he agrees, he says, yes, I wish that, it's, like, so, uh, it's such a, like, a, a punch in the gut, you know, to hear something like that from somebody's father, and so, you know, along this, like I was saying, along the way, they, they encounter Faramir. Uh, Faramir has a chance to take the ring, like like a few other people have had, and he doesn't, which, you know, kind of shows his qualities. And he, um, you know, eventually lets them go. In, in the book, he le- kind of lets them go a lot sooner um, after he captures them um, in the, uh, the Forbidden Pool or something like that. I forget what the place is called, where they capture Gollum, where Gollum was flopping around in the water with the fish and uh singing that little fucking song uh, whatever it was in the movie it was pretty funny but uh yeah fireman you know causes them lets them go um and you know he warns them because he learns where Gollum is leading them to Sirithungal and and he knows I don't know if he actually knows that Shelob is there but he just knows it's a dangerous place um so they they set off again and they head towards and we'll kind of skip forward um you know, Faramir, eventually, we, we see him again in Osgiliath, which is another part of the book that kind of got really compressed um, in the movie. But, um, <clears throat> so, let's we'll fast forward all the way to where Sam, Frodo, Gollum uh, are at the, the foot of the Black Stair. And the Black Stair is really just this really, like, r- rugged and just dangerous, like, steep stairwell that's cut into the rock of, of, you know, uh, at Sir, the, leading up to the pass of Sirith Ungle, uh, kind of right at the base of it is in front of Minas Morgul. Um, and this, this point, this, this part of the movie, uh, I, I like it because it kind of gives you a sense of like per- perception of, you know, where they are compared to where everybody else is and what's going on. So Minith, Minith Morgul, is where these armies of Mordor have been like amassing and and been assembling, and as Frodo, Sam, and Gollum uh, cross in front of it, this 
this friggin' uh, this beam of like green, that green phosphorescent, like ugly green, snot green light that's been you know, kind of emanates from the the castle itself, uh, shoots out from the tower into the air, and it's kind of like this beacon of like you know this is like their their charge for war, you know this is like their you know them announcing we're coming, um, and it's cool because. Then they, they kind of switch over to where um, uh, Gandalf, in the movie, Gandalf and Pippin are on the balcony in Minas Tirith, and they see it. And now, so it kind of gives you that little, like, um, you know, you can see where, how close Frodo and Sam are to them, um, whereas you didn't really have that, like, sense of where they were before. So... That this beacon goes up, they the armies start pouring out of um, Minas Morgul, and they're marching towards um, towards Gondor for the this, the great final battle, uh, the battle for the ultimate battle for for Middle Earth. Um, so Sam, Frodo, and Gollum they head up the Black Stair, and you can see. I mean, uh, Peter Jackson does a great job, just like kind of painting this picture of how just like. The, the the dirt and sweat just like streaming from their faces as they're trying to climb this really like these aren't stairs it's like almost like a ladder like they they have to do it on all fours and, and it just looks like they the, the angles the camera angles that peter jackson uses to show how steep these things are like one full step and you're gone like you could go right down to the bottom um you know and still all the while you know, number one, Frodo, he's got the ring around his neck, making it that much harder for him to, to climb. Number two, you got Smeagol constantly scheming and trying to, you know, drive that wedge between them. And it's just really, you know, it's just a long, hard journey all the way up the face of these mountains. And, you know, there's one, another departure from the story is in the movie, um, uh, Frodo sent Sam away. Uh, finally, when, when, uh, uh, Gollum makes that little, does that little uh, plan where he, he he throws out all that food and crumbles some, puts some crumbs on uh, on Sam's cloak, uh, then accuses him of eating all the food. The fat Hobbit, you know, it's like, and uh, it's in the movie Frodo, you know, tells Sam to leave and, and basically kicks him out of the group and continues on with just Gollum. That doesn't happen in the in the book. Uh, in the book, they all stay together the, all the way through, right up to Shelob. And, um, so yeah, they, they finish climbing the black stair, they go up to the top, uh, that they're at the top, um, of these stairs, which leads directly into this cave. Uh, and here's where you see Gollum getting a little, like, he doesn't have, in the movie anyway, he doesn't have Sam around, so he's getting, like, he's just really, like, pushing Frodo ahead and, like, oh, go ahead, go that way. And then they, they get into this dark cave and then, and Gollum's gone. Uh, he just takes off, but you can still hear him talking, uh, telling him where to go. Keep going, keep going, and uh, you start to see the webs. And this this part of the uh, of the movie was just really, really, really scary, you know. And it, it, but it was done so well. And Frodo goes, keeps going. He starts to see the webs. He falls into some bones. He starts to panic. And then the in the back, like it's it, there's a scene where you know you're looking at Frodo laying on the ground, and behind him. It just looks like like a, a you know a rocky wall, dark wall, and then you see a little bit of movement, and you and you realize that half of that wall is fucking Shiloh ball, all like curled up in a corner, waiting to 
to come out. And when that thing comes out, and just the fluid, the fluidity of the motion that it makes, and the and the just the way they they did Shiloh in the face, and you could see like how old, like she looked old because there was like scars and, and just like it was just really really creepy, like one of the creepiest movie spiders I I. I I can remember seeing, especially when you get the close-ups, like of the mouth, and you can see all the machinations of like the the, the little fangs and the, just everything about it was just it was, it was incredible, man. Um, you know, once again, hat off to Weta Workshop. I mean, I don't know what else they've done, like other than Peter Jackson movies, but um, I, I re I'm gonna look into that because the, the the work they did on these movies, it was just. It's just, it's just out of this world, just fascinating. Um, it's amazing. And I don't know if maybe it's just because, like I said, these movies came out at a time where special effects really made a giant leap forward. Um, so, like, this is, like, the first time we saw some of this stuff. But, I mean, even it still, still holds up today as some of the best special effects I've ever seen. Um, you know, even past that day. So... Um, so yeah, so Shelob, um, you know, they, she starts chasing, uh, Frodo through the, through the caves. Uh, he gets caught up in some webs. She almost gets him. He, he kind of hacks his way through. Uh, and it's funny too, that's, that scene where he really starts to like, he just has like this second wind and starts hacking his way through the, through, through the webs. And you see, uh, Gollum, Gollum's getting scared because he's like, oh my God, this guy's going to get away. And he actually does for a minute. And then when you think he gets out of the cave, you think he might be safe, and then Gollum pounces on him. And they have a little struggle, they have a fight, and they're both fighting over this ring and, and with everything they got. Um, but eventually, Frodo throws him over. And I, I, I'll be honest, I can't remember in the book if this actually, this is how the series of events happened there. I don't think it is. Um, but then again, this happened in... The two towers. Uh, I know Gollum and Frodo have a little scuffle at some point um, on the way to Mount Doom. But anyway, so he tosses him down this this ravine or something, and it looks like I mean the camera. It looks like he's gone, but you know he's not. Um, and then in the movie, they I love the way Peter Jackson did this with the pacing because he you actually think that Frodo is safe. And he got away from everybody, and, and he's kind of standing there looking at Mount Doom and ready to continue on. And then it cuts, and it goes back to Aragorn, Legolas, and, um, you know, that that group. And we'll, we'll, we'll stay with this. We'll stay with this side of it uh, just to get through this whole Shelob uh, part. So eventually Shelob comes out uh, from hiding, sneaks up behind him, gets him with the, with the stinger, um, and you see the... the the phone coming out of his mouth, um, and she wraps him up really, once again, real, real cool how they do the, the, the whole Shelob, uh, how they worked that into the movie. Um, she spins him up in her web, like, like quickly and efficiently puts him down and he looks dead. I mean, his face is pale. He's got phone coming out of his mouth for all intents and purposes. We think he might be dead. I mean, obviously probably not you know what i mean but you know and then this is once again this is like what the third time we think he died you know when he gets stunned by the, the morgul blade uh when he got he got stabbed by the cave troll when he had the mithril the mithril saved him you know so how many times are you gonna try to pull this on us you know what i mean come on but anyway you know it's, it's drama it's a story this is what they do so um at this point this is where um so Sam kind of comes out from hiding, um, 
And in the, in the movie, uh, the as Frodo is trying to hack his way through the um, through the web to get away from Shelob, um, he finally tears himself away, but he leaves uh, Sting his his sword hanging in the web, and so and he also drops the light of Elendil. Uh, which is the little the little glass vial of you know because there's liquid in there that you know when you say the right uh, I guess incantation uh, you know it shines shines bright with this super super bright light which Shilo really didn't like and that was kind of what saved Frodo uh, from getting you know grabbed inside the cave was he kept shining this light in in Shilo's eyes and she kept like shying away so they um. Frodo, Frodo drops both of them, and Sam, following behind, picks him up, and he comes out, and as Shelob is hovering over, you know, this cocoon with uh, with Frodo inside, he uh, he comes out, steps out, and he, he tells him, you know, get away from him, I forget exactly what he says, but, you know, another one of those real good Sam Samwise Gamgee feel-good moments, you know, where he's just everything on the line for his friend um so he you know he steps out and then he starts to fight with with Shilob. um and once again this is another just another like puts puts the brilliant work of weta on display with how just the the way Shilob moves and and the sounds of like every time one of her legs hits the ground like the, the with this thudding force you know and it's like Sam fighting and this is where one of the uh attributes of hobbits comes into play because you see like Sam's using his feet to kind of fight Shiloh off and now you might say like he's got bare feet how is how is she not just like biting and clawing through these things and this is this is one thing about hobbits is that they their feet are like they're like stronger than like rawhide i mean their their feet are like really really big number one and really really like tough and the skin is like really tough so that that plays into into sam's uh it just you know plays in a benefit for him because you know in the way that they portrayed this in the movie because like he's using his feet to kind of push her away and like she kind of pushes him off the side of the cliff up the side of the cliff uh it just they they battle for a little while and eventually um you know uh sam picks up sting again he, he had dropped it in the in the in the in the scuffle and he's underneath her and she kind of comes down at him and he pushes up at the same time and in the book it's really like they really get descriptive. I, re I remember this about like Shiloh and what's going through her mind um, when she gets stabbed with this thing. Um, and it's it's funny because this is like this blade has made it through all the way through this this tale all the way back from the Hobbit. Um, you know, if you if you know all the stories, like uh, Sting was one of the blades that. Um, they found in the in the cave of or in the lair of those of the three trolls that uh turned to stone when they were like you know they were going over how they were going to eat uh bilbo and and the dwarves um and you know they found there was a few blades they found uh sting they found glamdring uh which was um uh, uh i'm sorry gandalf's 
saw that he uses throughout the stories. Uh, and also, uh, I think it was Orchrist, uh, the Goblin Cleaver, uh, that was, was I, I forget who used that. I think, I think uh, Thor, uh, Thorin took that one. I, th I think, I want to say, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, so this, this blade made it from that part of the story all the way back in The Hobbit to now... And it's what he uses to kill Shiloh. But I, I, I don't know if he kills her or he wounds her. I know in the movie he kind of, he wounds her like, you know, she's like mortally wounded and she like crawls back into the caves. I can't remember in the book if she dies or not. Because Shiloh is like an ancient, ancient creature. Like this is like ancient evil. I think she was around before Sauron. Um and this is going back to the days of uh, Morgoth, uh, who was Sau Sauron's master uh, back in, like, the First Age. So, <clears throat> Shilo, uh, you know, she's kind of dealt with. At any rate, she's dealt with. And But now, Sam's got Frodo there, and Sam thinks Frodo's dead. Um, and then he hears orcs coming up the, up the path. So, he's kind of trying to think quick what to do. He doesn't, he doesn't have time to, to drag Frodo but he does reach in, reach down and grab the ring and takes that. So he, he hides and he watches and he's hearing them talk. And as he's hearing them talk, they're discussing, you know, one of the, and I forget that this orc actually has a name and I can't remember his name. Um, but he's talking to the other orcs that are with him. And he says, uh, you know, starts to explain how Shilob will put this venom in them. It does, it, it, it doesn't kill them. It just kind of, you know, it paralyzes them. And, you know, when Sam learns this, he's like, shit, you know, he screwed up and he's all down on himself. Uh, so the orcs take Frodo, take him into, I believe it's in the Tower of Serathungal. I think that's, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, and they, uh, they take they they take him back, and Sam eventually, you know, one thing leads to another. I get, there's a, a fight breaks out between the orcs. Um, and I can't remember if I, I want to say these are, these are some of the, the remnants of the, of the Urukai, uh, that escaped, uh, Helm's Deep. Cause, uh, even in the, I can't remember in the books and I know in the movies, uh, in the movie, they do look like Urukai. So this is another scuffle with, um, you know, Ur, you know, Mordor orcs and, and the Urukai. And so another, um, a big difference in the, from the book and the movie is in the book, uh, Sam actually, you know, when, when he first leaves Frodo and, uh, he hears some orcs coming up, he actually puts on the ring. So Sam in the book actually puts the ring on for a while to go invisible, to not get caught. Um, and he, you know, then he, you know, I, that's how he overhears, you know, the orcs talking about how, you know, Frodo's not dead and everything else. So, um, so then we see, uh, you know, the, the orcs start, start battling and, you know, through all the chaos, uh, you know, Sam creeps his way up the tower and, and he, uh, you know, in the movie, he kind of encounters a couple orcs and fights them and, and, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, the, the hobbits, they, they do, uh, find some, some skills, uh, fighting, uh, at some point along the way, cause he dispatches like three or four orcs. Uh, and then eventually the, uh, the guy that pops his head out, uh, and comes in and, uh, 
So, so it's a uh, you know his little journey up to the tower to save Frodo. Uh, it's it's good. It's a good scene, you know, and um, you know, just once again, kind of showing his his determination to not fail Frodo and not not go up go against his his promise to Gandalf early in the film to never let him out of his sight, and uh, you know, eventually they 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 get back together, and then there's the scene where um, in the movie. You know, Fro uh, Sam shows him the ring because Frodo, when he finally wakes up, you know that's the first thing he does. He's feeling around for the ring, and it, he's like, "Oh, it's lost. It's over." And uh, Sam holds it out, and even right there, you know, where you would think Frodo would be like, "Oh my God, Sam Wise, good job, yo, thanks, buddy." He's just like, "Give it to me," you know. It's like, you know, it's almost like you know, you know, it's not his fault, but it's just like you're, you're like, "Ugh, this freaking guy," you know. Um, so eventually they escape. Uh, and now they have to make it a, the rest of the way across, uh, you know, Mordor to Mount Doom, which is still a long way away. Um, they still got a, quite a journey and the Mordor is just crawling with orcs, you know, they're, they're everywhere. Um, and the, you know, they eventually in the movie, they kind of fall in with, uh, you know, with a troop of orcs kind of marching towards the Black Gate because, you know, at this time, um, you know, and eventually, you know, it's pretty uneventful. I mean, you know, they, they do some dodging and weaving through uh, Mordor, and they eventually get to the uh, the base of Mount Doom and start climbing up. Um, so this is a good... I figure this is a good spot where we can kind of transition over to... back to Aragorn, Theoden, uh, you know, Legolas, Gimli, Gandalf, where they're at. Um, and then, you know, everything kind of culminates... Uh, at the at the black gates and inside Mordor, um, so th that's where we'll we'll pick up um, uh, Aragorn and uh, Theoden and that group. Uh, Gandalf has already uh, left. He he the, the, once uh, Merry, uh, I'm sorry, Pippin. He looks in the Palantir uh, that they took from. Well, in the movie, they, it fell out of uh, Saruman's sleeve in the extended edition. Uh, in the book, uh, Gimli kind of, uh, not Gimli, uh, Grima, Grima Wormtongue, throws it at them uh, from the top of Orthanc. Um, and in, in the regular, the theatrical edition, uh, so, so it falls out of Saruman's sleeve in the extended edition. In the theatrical edition, um, we don't see how it ended up in the water at the base of Orthanc, but, uh, you know, Pippin sees it in there and he picks it up and Gandalf takes it off him. Uh, so anyway, Mer uh, Pippin being, being a fool of a took as he, as Gandalf likes to call him, um, eventually just has to have a look in the, in the Palantir and Sauron sees him. So Gandalf has to take, um, Pippin out of, uh, Edoras Cause and, and you know during that whole thing, uh, well in the movie during the whole scene where where Pippin looks into the into the Palantir, uh, Aragorn rips it off him like to to you know to save him, and he actually uh, looks into it for a second and Sauron sees him as well. So now he knows there's a Hobbit in Edoras. There's also the you know the Return of the King, hence the the title of the book. Um, the the uh, the heir of Isildur, who you know 
years ago, thousands of years ago, cut the ring off of Sauron's finger. Uh, so now Sauron knows more of what's going on. And I think this is what speeds up his plan, and that's what, you know, he sends out the uh, his armies to, to go attack Gondor. Um, so after that happens, we got Gandalf takes uh, Pippin to Gondor, uh, and Theoden um, and... Gimli, Legolas, Aragorn, they stay at uh, Edoras. So once um, once they get to Gondor, um, Gandalf and um, Pippin, uh, this is where we first are introduced to Denethor, uh, played just just played like out of his mind uh by john noble um what a good job he did with this guy this has got to be a hard character to play to you know this is a guy that's basically going mad um and you know i i think he was a little bit different in the book he was more of a tragic figure um whereas in in um in the movies he just you could just see this guy's just like lost his shit uh especially you know he just, just he already had learned of his son Baromir dying, um, so he was just uh, kind of not, not not all there. He didn't have all his marbles up there. Um, so they meet him, um, and now you can kind of see, you know, you get that idea like this guy's, you know, this guy cannot lead uh, the armies of Gondor against Mordor. Um, you know, he, he's just he's not fit. You know, he's not fit to lead. Um, so G Gandalf kind of, you know, takes it upon himself, especially, you know, later on, they, uh, uh, Gondor, I mean, uh, Denethor just starts telling everybody to flee uh, during the battle. Um, and, you know, Gandalf just kind of takes it upon himself to just kind of take over command. Uh, it's not, it doesn't really happen that way in the book. In the book, he, he kind of... He he lets he takes the the orders from Denethor, you know, and Denethor doesn't really get too out of hand, um, not like in the movie anyway. Um, but you know he does, yeah, you know he does ultimately end the same way. Um, but anyway, so Gandalf and, and Pippin are there uh, in in Gondor, and in the meantime, now in the movies, um, Aragorn. And, and his friends kind of stick around with King Theoden. And, you know, eventually, you know, Gandalf kind of pleads with Denethor to, you know, call on Rohan for, for aid. Call them to come and help against this battle that is imminent. And, and it's on its way. It's, it's practically at their doorstep. Um, but, you know, uh, Denethor refuses. He, he's just, well, there's too much pride or too, you know, he just doesn't. You know, whatever his reasonings are, like it's, we're talking about the mind of a madman here. Um, Gandalf just says, screw it. And this is where it's the, uh, oh shit, I can't remember the name, the beacons. You know, and they got these beacons. There's a name for them, like Amon something. Um, anyway, but these beacons are basically these big uh, bonfires set up just within, and there's a series of them that start in Gondor and end at in um rohan and each one of them is just out of reach uh like i mean just at the edge of vision like you could just see it so basically when one or the other needed help to to get a faster way rather than somebody riding from one to the other because I'm, I'm sure it's like a couple days ride or, or something like that so it's a good distance uh they would have men stationed at these at these bonfires 
and you know you would light one and then the guy at the next one would see it lit and light that one and so on and so forth uh until all of them are lit and there had to be like a dozen of them at least i, I mean i don't know that we see in the movie but what a great scene this was in the movie like first of all you know uh, gandalf has has pippin sneak up to the top um uh the to the to go light the the, the first torch in Minas Tirith and he uh he goes up there he lights that one and then once that starts it you know it's too late once once you light one it's you can't get word to the next guy to say to stop it you know so we, no matter what Denethor wants once that's lit it's it's over um it's it's they're gonna it's gonna get lit all the way and, and Rohan's gonna know that we need help in Gondor so this scene was like with the music uh, and like this panoramic view of the of the cameras and how that's like rotating around these, um, you know, it's all like in sync. It's, it's the one of my one of my favorite scenes. Um, that doesn't have any fighting, any dialogue, any anything in it. It's just all music and and you know these vi stunning stunning visuals. Um, is the lighting of these beacons, and at the end of it, you know, the last one is lit, and you know, in the in the movie. Uh, Aragorn is sitting, you know, at on the steps of, of uh, you know the Great Hall at Edoras or whatever they call it, and um, he sees it and he runs in and and you know it, it's a it's a really cool scene because like after this this like build up the the way they did the music it's like building up and building up every torch that gets lit it gets a little bit more intense and then it, it he runs in he runs into the throne room and he and he says. Uh, the, the beacon is lit. Gondor calls for aid. And there's like, there's like a pause. And you don't know, because Theoden up until this point has been like real kind of fucking like wishy-washy on his, you know, support of Gondor and whether he will or not. And there's like a pause in the music and everything. And, you know, and, and Bernard King, uh, Bernard King, yeah, Bernard King, uh, who plays Theoden, um, it, was it Bernard Shaw? Uh, fuck, I can't remember. Um, anyway, he, 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 there's this little dramatic pause. The music kind of stops. And then he says, and and Rohan shall answer. And then, like, the music starts. And it's all, like, and it's, you know, it's just a really good feel and, like, a, a feel-good moment, you know. Um, and so at this point, they stop, you know, they muster the Rohirrim, as they call it. And they start gathering the armies of Rohan to go and travel to uh, Gondor to Minas Tirith to help Gondor. Um, now that's the movie. In the book, and this is a, this is like where a very big departure from the book starts, uh, where Aragorn um, he actually leaves at uh, Theoden and company um, a lot earlier on. When they're on the road, I, I believe they're on the road from Helm's Deep to Edoras the capital and they come up and, and and somebody goes to Theoden one of his riders and says there's a company following us all right and then this is the gray company um the gray company pretty much is in the whole like they they pretty much stick with Aragorn from from the beginning of return of the king all the way to the end uh and we they are not in the book uh i mean in the movie so it's it's kind of weird because it, it, it's a pretty pretty significant uh, change. Um, but once again, what Peter Jackson does a lot of times is is the actions of one character. If he does if he doesn't want to bother introducing these this character or these characters, he'll just have somebody somebody else do that you know do that action in the book 
that somebody that's already so it saves them time and I get it it saves you time from having to introduce these characters and and if you have to have some backstory and the, and these guys would probably have to have some backstory um the the, the great company because um and you know um the leader of this great company uh his name's Halbarad and these are this these are uh Aragorn's people okay so where he's been these are rangers um from the north and these guys um they come to you know assist aragorn they hear about what's going on and you know i i don't remember how many men are in the company maybe it was like maybe it could be 50 could be 100 i i don't really recall um but these are these are dunedain uh you know rangers uh pretty much like you know, these are descendants of Numenor as well. Um, and these are like, uh, I think, I believe they are. Uh, I want to say they are. I don't know. The reason I, like I said, I know the movies a lot better than I know the books. Uh, and these are, these guys aren't in the movies, but I do, you know, I just remember they, the role they play. So right from this point, Aragorn leaves and goes off with the Grey Company. And, and they go pretty much directly to, and with Legolas Gimli. And they go directly to the Paths of the Dead um, to go get the uh, this army of the dead to help them in the in the battle. So once again, now Aragorn and, and that company is split off from Theoden. Uh, the only one that stays with Theoden and, and Rohan is uh, Merry. Um, so now you have the Theoden's putting the mustering the Rohirrim. Uh, he's getting them ready to march. You got. Aragorn's heading off to uh, the Paths of the Dead to get the the army of the dead to help them fight, uh, and you got Gandalf and Pippin and in uh, Gondor. So now you got the the armies of Mordor are marching on Minas Tirith. Uh, they attack Osgiliath. Osgiliath is kind of like on the border. Um, you know the 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 last kind of city before you get into Mondor, uh, Mordor. Um, they take it pretty quickly. Uh, you know, they, they, the forces there are overwhelmed and Faramir's there um, kind of leading the defenses. They retreat because it's just too, too, you know, you got this entire army against this little uh, kind of an expeditionary force over in Osgiliath. So they retreat to Gondor. Now they go to, they go to Faramir goes to Denethor you know, and this is where, like, kind of, you just realize that you know, Faramir, uh, uh, Denethor has just lost it. Like he, he doesn't not he he has no love. He shows no love for Faramir at all. Um, when he tells him, "You got to go back out there and and retake that. We we need Osgiliath. Um and it's a suicide mission. You know, it, it's a complete suicide, utterly. Um, so Faramir does this. He goes out, uh, leads a small group of of soldiers out there. And they get wiped out, and he's, you know, he's shot full of arrows and practically killed. Um, and I believe, it, you know, in the movies, I don't know how it happened in the book. I know in the movie, his horse just drags him back uh, to Minas Tirith. Um, so now the the armies of Mordor are through Osgiliath. They are, and this is where we begin the siege of Gondor, you know, and it's the ultimate, but, uh, well, actually... This was actually be the penultimate battle, um, but this is the the last major major battle, um, you know, because afterwards th th there is another battle at the at the Black Gate, which is basically just uh, done as a diversion. But so 
now the the forces, uh, you know, Ministerit is under siege. Uh, you got, it's I don't know how many I, I forget what the what the numbers are, but you know, just probably like a hundred thousand orcs outside uh, Ministerit. Um, you know, and then they start with the catapults and the trebuchets, uh, just throwing shit at Gondor, everything they got. Um, now, in the movie, this is one of the greatest battles of all time. Um, theatrical, like, battles. Um, you know, I, I mean, yeah, it's not as, like, visceral and, and bloody and, and violent as, say, a Braveheart, you know, um, which is another... But, you know, it's it's up, you know, like a kingdom of heaven. They had some kind of battle scenes like this. Um, you know, you look back in, at, at, you know, hundreds of probably, you know, staged battles like this. But, you know, the scope of this and the, the flow of this battle, you know, it was it was it was incredible. I found I found it really incredible. And even though some of it uh, goes away from the book and, and whatever, I don't care. Um, this was just an entertaining uh, battle and the ebbs and flows and, and you know the back and forth and the and the turning of the momentum um you know from one side to the other i mean it's just you you couldn't ask for anything more than this you know i mean to start with the siege itself you know and you know the, the first thing that the, the orcs do is they send over the heads of all the of all the soldiers they killed over in osgiliath you know as a terror tactic and then you got, um, you know, then they start marching these, you know, they got the siege towers uh, full of orcs, um, you know, and, you know, Denethor in the meantime, he's lost his shit. So he's he's going into uh, like the uh, the chapel or whatever it is uh, to burn himself in Faramir, who he thinks he's dead, uh, to burn himself alive in Faramir's body. And there's just so much going on. And... In the in the books, um, you know, in the movies, eventually the orcs break through the gates of of Minas Tirith and they invade the city. Uh, that actually doesn't even happen in the books. In the books, uh, they never get to that point. Like I think they're getting close, and then you know the ride of the Rohirrim. Um, the best part of the best battle scene in my opinion, in cinematic history, uh, the riot of the Rohirrim, where, you know, um, you know, Theoden and, and his armies of Rohan, they appear on the, on the field of battle, um, and he starts to whoop them up, you know, like with his little speech and the, and the whole die, die, you know, and you got, you got, uh, Mary on the horse with Eowyn, uh, and Eowyn, you know, snuck into the army. She wants to fight. She's been saying she wants to fight this whole movie. Um, and she actually, or since Two Towers, anyway, and she, in the book, they don't know, like, Mary still doesn't know at this point in the book uh, that, that he's riding with Eowyn. He thinks it's just a soldier. Um, but I guess in the movie, they said, like, he... You know, it was kind of hard to play her off as a man in the movie, so they couldn't do it. So, th so they just gave it away right off the bat in the movie. But in the book, uh, Mary doesn't realize that he's riding with her. So, uh, you know, a little, another little departure there. Um, and then for like the big departure, um, you know, so we're gonna hold it right there, the battle um, with the riders on the edge, the riders, the the Rohirrim, on the edge of battle, about to charge. Let's flip back to Aragorn and the Great Company and Legolas Gimli. And they go into the Paths of the Dead where 
much less dramatic scene uh, in the book um, where he calls upon this cursed army um, from the one of the last kick from Isildur's day. Uh, this the the story the backstory of this was this army was supposed to have. Um, you know, they made a promise to the last king of Gondor to, um, you know, come to their aid if needed in battle. And at some point, you know, they were called on and they didn't come. So Asildor uh, cursed them to just live, never to never go to rest. Once they died, they were going to live on forever. Um, and they just cursed and live in these mountains. So, you know, in the movie, it's just... Legolas, Gimli, and uh, Aragorn that go into the Paths of the Dead, and they talk to these this this uh, the king of the the mountain men, and um, you know they have a conversation. In the book, it's much less dramatic. The, the The armies of the dead don't talk. The king doesn't talk. There's no dialogue between them. It's just an under it's understood, and Aragorn just announces to the to the you know to this army that you know to fulfill if they if they come and help, they will fulfill their you know their promise and the curse will be lifted so but in the in the book it's aragon with the gray company and there's no dialogue or anything like that you know so uh but in the movie it's much more you know dramatic and there's dialogue and you know the the, the dead king like takes a swing and at this point um aragon now has i kind of glazed over that part because but uh aragon now has uh Angeral, which is the sword that was uh, got reforged from the shards of Narsil, which Narsil was the sword that um, uh, Isildur used to cut the ring off of um, Sauron's finger. Uh, in the movie, uh, Elrond shows up um, in the middle of the night and he gives him the sword, tells him to go to the Path of the Dead. Much different, but a lot of pretty big departure there too. Um, I'll be honest, I forget how he ends up with the sword. I, I don't know if Elrond brings it in the book too. Uh, he must because it was sitting in Rivendell. So unless it might have been his twin, I don't know. I don't remember. It's a, it's a it's a small detail. I, obviously, Peter Jackson, you know, he found a way to get the get Anduril to Aragorn. Um, so yeah, so he he subdues this army. He tells uh, this army of the dead. He convinces them to help uh, to lift help in return. He'll lift the curse. Now another another big difference. Aragorn uses the army of the dead in the book to um there's a there's a fleet of ships coming up from the south and these are evil another evil army of Saurons these are men these are bad men uh the corsairs and these ships are coming up the river to go fight in the battle uh, at that's happening at Minas Tirith um do so Aragorn uses the army of the dead to overtake this this fleet and to kill all those men. So they do that. At that point, they, and and I I believe that that happens in the in the they don't show it in the in the oh they do they they do show it in the movies um I believe. But the difference is that's where at after that point after they beat defeat these these men um on the corsair ships, they Aragorn lifts the curse he tells them they're free um in the movies obviously this army of the dead kind of plays a much bigger role and they you know they pretty much use them to wipe out the whole all the armies of mordor so i mean this was one i didn't like um i really didn't like this this uh 
Diversion from the Books by Peter Jackson. I didn't like the way they did the Armies of the Dead. I don't know who's... I, it was just like this green mass of just like... I don't know. There was like no... It was just... I don't know. I, I don't know what it was. It just wasn't... It didn't work for me. Um... You know, it was just like a like too easy. It was just like okay, well, we're we're against all these big odds, and, and there's no hope for this. Um, let's just throw this big bubbling mass of green smoke and kill everything. You know, um, but anyway, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Um, so in the books, Aragorn they they wipe out the Corsair ships, and in the books, just Aragorn and his and the Gray Company take these ships and they take them up the river. Um, in the meantime, we're back at the, the battle on the Pelennor, uh, and the ride of the Rohirrim and just this awesome charge. It's like, it's like the, at the battle of Helm's Deep when, um, Eomir or, you know, Erkin, Erkinbrand, who, whichever version you're watching, um, or listening to, uh, arrives at Helm's Deep and they charge down into the, into the orc army. Uh, it, this is that like on steroids, you know what I mean? This is like the whole, uh, army of Rohan. This is the Rohirrim and it's, it's got a whole chapter in the book just called the ride of the Rohirrim and it's, they just plunge into, you know, they charge down the hill and they plunge into this army of orcs. Um, and they basically route the orcs, uh, you know, without any army of the dead, no great company. It's, it's, it's Rohan that basically wins the day for, um, for, you know, the good guys, basically, um, for, for a moment. Then what happens is these, uh, and I forget, they have a name, but more, another evil army of men come. And these are the guys with the elephants, uh, big, big, huge elephants, like mammoth size elephants, elephants that are all geared up for war, uh, you know, spikes on the tusks, uh, just, and in the movie, once again, Peter Jackson just takes this to a whole nother level, like, when you first see this just line of elephants, um, and the, with all the, you know, they got these big, uh, structures on their backs with archers and everything else, it's just, it's insane, you know what I mean, like, it's where, like, you didn't think this battle could get any more sick and intense and he just upped the ante with these fucking things and they a lot of it's cgi i mean it's probably all cgi but it it works you know the only thing that doesn't work is once again my you know i mentioned this in the last episode is you know legolas does one of these little fucking acrobatic uh climb all over the joint stand and defy gravity on like the side of a elephant or you know anyways it's it's not all bad, but you know, it's just part. It just doesn't work in some parts. The CGI just wasn't right. The motions weren't weren't smooth enough that he did. So, whatever. Not with nothing. Nothing against it. You know, like I said, the overall product is good enough for me. So I'll forgive these little little bits here and there. Um, and I did. It's pretty cool at the end when the elephant hits the ground. He kind of slides off the trunk. Um, and Gimli says that still only counts as one. But uh. So yeah, so the you know things are looking bad, you know, like you, you got horses fighting against elephants, you know what I mean? There's not really much you can do. You might they pick off a few here and there, but you know, in the end it's tough. And then also going on during this whole battle is you have um the Nazgûl. The Nazgûl are are out there. They're f they're they're fucking shit up too. And the Witch King of Angmar is he's actually looking for Gandalf. He wants Gandalf. Um, 
and then he he finds him. Now in the movie, they kind of square off, and, and actually in the books, like the Witch King is the only one that actually gets into the city uh, and to square off against Gandalf. Um, although in the book, uh, you know, in the movie, Gandalf's like the Witch King shatters Gandalf's staff. Uh, that doesn't happen in the book. So Gandalf's a little more badass uh, in the books than you know than in the movie. But anyway. The Witch King eventually um, goes out once once Aragorn the, the the tide of the battle is turning in favor of Gondor and Rohan. So he leaves, goes out to you know assist in the battle and get this thing back on track. Um, he comes out and actually in the movie and I, I believe in the book too, uh, you know his 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 winged mount or whatever they're called I forget what they call them uh, these fell beasts. Um, he comes down, grabs Theoden, and squishes him, and, you know, basically kills him. Uh, he's not dead yet, but he's dying. So, Eowyn sees this, uh, and, you know, she's with Merry, and they, you know, she, she stands in between, uh, the Witch King and, and her uncle, Theoden, and they, you know, they, they square off, uh, in the movie, she cuts off the thing's head, you know, when the thing snaps at her, I don't remember if it happened like that in the book or not, but, you know, it basically, this, the, the thing, like, you know, does, like, a, a death, like, rattle, um, and, and throws the Witch King off, so the Witch King comes up, and he stands in front of her, and, um, you know, at some point, you know, he's swinging this, this fucking huge-ass morning star, or mace, or whatever it is, a flail, um, and they're going at it here back and forth, and then you know at at some point she, he's he says to her he says uh, f- uh fool no man i can't i i can't no man can can kill me um and then at this is point this is the point where Mary realizes who he was riding with she takes off her helmet uh and he sees her and she says, "I am no man and at that point, Mary takes one of those once again you remember I said that when I was talking about Tom Bombadil and the Barrow Whites back in the first part of this massive series of episodes I've done, um, these things come into play later on, and this is where Mary stabs him with this uh, this el- this magic blade, and that is the what you know puts him down on the ground. You know, Eowyn stabs him in the face; he dies, uh, and that is like a big moment, and that's that the the tide keeps turning. Now. You know, here we go again with, you know, the kind of the mop-up of the battle. Aragorn and the Grey Company arrive. But in the movies, Aragorn and the fucking stupid army and the dead arrive. And they just kind of, you know, blow through everything and the, and the, and the battle's over. Uh, fucking, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It was just such a good... The battle was too good for me to let that ruin it for me. But, you know, to watch it on screen, it just didn't work, you know. Um, but whatever, you know, Aragorn arrives, the battle's won, uh, you know, every, everything worked out except, you know, a few things, uh, number one, Theoden dies, uh, number two, Eowyn from stabbing Eowyn, Merry, uh, they're both injured just by attacking this Witch King, um, you know, he's so powerful that you can't just attack him and walk away from it scot-free, like, they're both injured, um, Faramir is almost dead, Denethor, he, he, he's gone, so we don't care about him, really, because we were kind of hoping he would go, um, 
so you know it took a toll you know everybody's everybody's really hurt and injured and you know the, the armies are pr pretty much decimated um and you know in the end they still don't know what's up with Frodo and Sam. Uh, do, is the, do they still have the ring? Is, does does Mordor have the ring yet? Uh, nobody knows. So they go back, um, and kind of this is where they have a whole chapter of the Houses of the Healing. Um, I, I think that's what it's called. And uh, you know, Faramir, Eowyn, Merry—they're all there. Um, and you know, they come up with the plan. Uh, actually. Uh, they were talking to Faramir, and Faramir tells them that he saw he was with uh, Frodo, and so now they know that Frodo's still alive, and there's still a chance. So, but they realize like if he's in, even if he's in Mordor, you know they it might be they might not make it to Mount Doom. They, you know they still got to get through there. So they decide to launch an attack at the Black Gate, make a diversion. So they march on the Black Gate. Um, so that's why I said that the, you know, the, the siege of Gondor and the battle on the Pelennor is the penultimate battle. Cause this is the, the last battle, the final battle. They're throwing everything that they got left, which isn't much at the black gate. And so that's what they do. They march on and there's some time that's passing here. So, you know, Frodo and Sam, they still had like kind of a ways to go from Sirith Ungol to, uh, Mount Doom. Um, so fast forward to. We're at the Black Gate, okay, um, and every all the all the everything that they have left of their army is there. Um, it's still tiny in comparison to what's still inside Mordor and their army. Um, and, and this leads to one of my favorite scenes. I can't believe he left this out of the theatrical version. Um, and what I'm talking about is the mouth of Sauron. Uh, anybody that's seen the extended DVDs that saw this guy. I mean, this guy was, what a fantastic uh, uh, creature that they made. Like, it's just this guy, um, because we never see Sauron, uh, Sauron is always just seen as an eye, which did not was not the case in the book. There was no eye on the top of a tower in the book. Uh, that was just to give some kind of manifestation to this, you know, to, to the villain. I mean, the antagonist in this movie really doesn't have a physical form. Um so that was, you know, Peter Jackson's way of just like putting something for you to see and, and, you know, that you can actually like tangible, you know, um, rather than him just be like the spirit, you know what I mean? Um, so they get to the black gate, the black gate opens a crack and out steps this fucking creature. And this guy, I wish, um, if you haven't seen the extended DVDs, uh, I, it's worth it. It's worth sitting the four and a half hours uh, of the return of the king just to get a look at this guy the mouth of sauron and basically what he is he's just that he's exactly that he's like his right hand man uh his second in command i guess well other than the witch king and he just speaks for sauron uh, so he comes out he throws some jabs and, and like that like literal like verbal jabs like kind of just like you know mocks them and and tells them you know that uh you know the the hobbits are dead you know the it, it's it's hopeless and Aragorn ain't having it he pulls out Andrew and just cuts his head off but for the, for that five minutes that this guy's on the screen it was just really like the mouth the the teeth on this thing was just like fucking it was nasty it was this guy was like really cool looking I wish we got more of him and I can't believe we, they didn't even show him I, I'd like to know why they didn't put him in in the in the theatrical version because it, it, it was just so the the 
the makeup job and the effects on this guy was so cool. Even his outfit. He had this, like, big-ass black helmet. Um, but anyway, I, I'm getting, I don't, getting uh, carried away with this guy because I just, I loved him so much. Uh, I loved, the, like, the look of it. But, um, so, the black gates open. What's, the rest of the forces of Mordor come pouring out. This big, big troll uh, and, and, Aragorn going at it, and you know this is it. Everything starts to you know things are going aren't going well. Um, you can see the look. Everybody's just just tired and and just worn down from everything, and they don't know you know they could be doing this for nothing. They don't know what's going on with with Frodo and Sam, and um, you know let's switch over to that. Um, Frodo and Sam are on their way up the mountain. Frodo's can barely move uh you know that cool scene in the movie where you know sam says oh i can't hold your burden for you but i can't carry you and he he puts him over his shoulder carries him up the mountain and then of course here's Gollum again Gollum pops out starts attacking them and trying to take the ring again um you know they beat him down they 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 he falls skitters down the mountain back down the mountain um and eventually they get to Mount Doom. And now at this time they get to the to the to the opening, uh, the cave. And uh, around this time the Nazgul, what's they're still around the the other eight I guess, and they start really turning the battle bad for the heroes at the Black Gate. And they you know they're everything's about to to just fall apart. They're about to lose that battle, and. Then you you have um, how does how does this go? Because at some point when they're in there, um, oh no! All right, so Frodo gets to the edge of the uh, you know he's he's about ready to throw the ring into the fires and destroy it, and that'll be it. And then the last second, you know, just very uh, reminiscent of Isildur and Elrond being in in Mount Doom, and he puts the ring on. No, actually, he's about to throw the ring in, and he just turns turns around. And he says, "The ring is mine," and he puts it on his finger. And as you know, when, every time he puts it on his finger, uh, Sauron sees it and senses it. And at this point, he puts it on. The Nazgul turn around and they start heading towards Mount Doom, like a like a like a shot. They're zipping right over there because they know now they know the ring's there. Um, and then. So, wait, so what happens next? Because the Eagles come around sometime. I think the Eagles, well, the Eagles appeared, and they were fighting uh, the Nazgul and trying to help out. But, um, you know, the rest of the, the Nazgul are heading towards Mount Doom. Um, and then fucking Gollum, like, once again comes out. And this is why, and, and this was foreshadowed way earlier in, the, in these books, where Gandalf was like, I think it was when he was in, uh, when they were in the Mines of Moria, and, you know, he was talking about they, they realized that Gant, uh, Gollum was following him. And uh, somebody mentioned, like, why don't we just kill him? And he's like, he, and Gandalf said, I think he still has a part to play in this. And this is where it was. This is what it was. It was, he jumps on Frodo's back. Um, and, you know, he gets him and he he can't see Frodo because Frodo put the ring on. He turns invisible. But he's looking at his footsteps. He jumps on his back, bites the ring, bites his finger off and takes the ring with it. And he's got the ring in his hand. Now, in the movie, once again... All right, so this will be the fourth time that they try to make you think that Frodo dies, um, unfortunately. So, once again, I, I don't get this, you know, this whole over-dramatic shit, but whatever. Um, in the book, like, 
Gollum's just jumping around and he just takes a wrong step, falls backwards, and falls into the lava with a ring with him. Uh, and this one, of course, they gotta, you know, Frodo goes over with him, and you think, did he fall over? No, he's hanging from the ledge, of course. And is he gonna fall? No, of course, Sam's gonna fucking help save him. So it's just, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't understand why they feel they have to do that shit, but, you know, like I said, the overall product is as close to perfect as you're gonna get. I'm not complaining. Um, so, yeah, the, the ring falls in, ring's dead, ring's gone, uh, the tower crumbles falls i don't remember how that happened in the book I, maybe it did i don't know and then that whole thing where the fucking earth comes out um you know the the earth just like splits and only where the orcs are and they all fall in and it stops right at you know all right so whatever it's it's a good visual anyway um and that's it that's it it's over uh, as far as i'm concerned it's over obviously there's like a fucking long ass May where you know all these little things come come up um one thing i will mention this is i mentioned it, uh during the two towers episode is that the um the scourging of the shire which is because saruman at this point in the book it's not over because saruman is in uh he's over in the shire uh you know putting the uh, pretty much he has all the hobbits uh, slaves as slaves um, so after all this happens and then and then Aragorn's crowned king uh, Arwen comes they, he's he's reunited with Arwen and you know all these other things going on um, you know everybody gets healed up the hobbits leave they go back to the Shire and they find it that it's in ruins and Saruman's taking it over um, they there's another battle here so there's another battle in the books it's uh, the hobbits rise up and they they destroy you know they kill all their oppressors, um, and in the book, uh, Grima Wormtongue does he I think he slits his throat uh, he slits Saruman's throat, um, and then the hobbits kill Grima Wormtongue. So that was kind of that was one that you know I, I could see how they so that would have interrupted the flow of the last few scenes, and that that was another thing about this this uh, movie that a lot of people remarked on was like how long like these little end scenes like it had like about five six endings uh to return of the king but but uh yeah i mean f shit i made it through i mean this was a super duper long ending uh episode um i i i actually made this episode like three times and deleted them because i just I, I was trying to figure out how i was going to fit this in an episode and finally i just said fuck it i'm going to make a, a double episode so um yeah i appreciate everybody for listening um if you have listened to all of this uh you know my hat's off to you this has been listen to me ramble for an hour and a half on this episode with actually more um you know I, I appreciate it. I hope it was entertaining or, you know, informative anyway, you know, like some, not, like I said, a lot of people that read the books, uh, that, that saw the movies didn't read the books. Um, and you know, it's just my take on it. And I'm really, I just really wanted to do this cause I got so excited for the, 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 the rings of power. Um, you know, a couple of things I, f I forgot to mention. Now, one of them was when I was talking about the movie, when I went to go see this in the movies uh, at that special event, I actually have, uh, as a, as like a kind of a, they gave us these collectibles, uh, you know, to kind of commemorate the, the event. Um, and so I have like six actual, like they give us these little, um, this little stand. And in it was a clipping from the actual 
um, film reel uh, that was, you know, from editing and stuff, and you, I got one from each movie, so I got two of those, one for myself, one for my wife, and, uh, yeah, I have actual clippings from the original film reels for these movies, so another little cool thing, um, and, yeah, I mean, this is, these was, the, you know, just some of the, the best movies ever made, in my opinion, um, I, I'd put these above Star Wars, um, and yeah, Star Wars, as, as movies, as the movies, like Star Wars holds a place, the orig original Star Wars, that holds a place like close to my, you know, heart. I mean, because that's at the time that I saw it, what it meant to me at the time compared to these. That In that respect, Star Wars was better for me. Um, as a movie and as a, you know, and, and not only that, they're, they're kind of different categories. Star Wars is original. It's original material. This is coming from a source material. So it's really hard to compare those two. But I mean, as far as like trilogies in a genre, like a fantasy or science fiction, um, it's this, these are really without peers on um, these three movies. Um, what Peter Jackson was able to do, um, you know, not to mention the Tolkien, you know, his world building, um, you know, skills. But for, for to, to take something that's, you know, well-known, and that, with such a following, such a devoted fan base, um, to take those and to put those on screen with, with, with very minimal, like, negative feedback from the fans of the source material is just, uh, just remarkable, um, in this day and age. I mean, you know, and I've mentioned this earlier, like, about the superhero movies, you know, like the DC and Marvel and, how those get such like bad reaction? I mean, not to say. I mean, obviously, Marvel and D DC are both. They've both finally learned how to do it without, you know, upsetting the fan bases too much and and not not getting too far removed from the source material. But um, you know, for the way. But that's the company has a say in it. You know, this is Peter Jackson, um, who number one, they had to convince the Tolkien estate to let the, allow this stuff to be, to be made into movies and for him to take that and, you know, not like he wasn't that very accomplished director. I mean, he had a few couple movies. I mean, he did like, I think it was like heavenly creatures or, or wasn't that it? Uh, he had like a couple of movies, like small movies that did well, but I mean, nothing like on the scope and the, the, the scale of this and to film three giant, like, epics all at the same time i mean just just you could just go on and on i, I don't want to i'm not going to do it um because i'll tell you why i'm not going to keep going on and on is because this isn't over um i promised uh my my good friend and co-host uh emilio that i'm gonna do uh a, an episode with him about the hobbit and I, i'm gonna preface this this probably isn't fair but i'm gonna do it anyway um this there's gonna be some debates on this because he is more of a fan of the hobbit than he he is of the lord of the rings at least he said it i he said he's watching these movies uh now as we speak probably um i think when he watches these again after because i don't think he's seen them after we saw the hobbit um, and I'm not going to get into The Hobbit too much. I, I'm going to save this for our episode. Uh, it's probably going to be tomorrow. So I'm going to make up for not having an episode in the past two weeks by number one, doing a super long episode like I just did. Um, and number two, we're going to do another episode tomorrow, maybe two. So be ready for some, for quite a bit of content. Um, 
I'm not going to keep this going any longer. I want to just say I appreciate you listening. Um, as always, I just enjoy doing this. I love it. And uh, I hope you uh, love it even a little bit as much as I do because I'm going to keep coming with episodes. Um, so uh, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page at um, All Geeked Out Podcast. And I will be talking to you soon, uh, probably tomorrow. So, hey, thank you for everybody for listening, and we'll see you soon again on All Geeked Out.